If you have your Bibles, amen. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1 and 8, and then I'll let you be seated. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy ways prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. The 119th Psalm, verse 11, says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Amen. We, when you study history, it, it, it moves you at times when you think about how hard it was for the common man or woman to own a Bible for so long. Before the Gutenberg Press, for example. Um, I talked about this in an earlier lesson that the Roman Catholic Church condemned the ownership of the Bible. Uh, only priests could own a Bible. Uh, uh, and, uh, and so it moves you when you think about that. Wow, how sad that must have been. You couldn't, you couldn't confirm what was preached. You, couldn't, you had to trust what the priest was saying uh, from the lectern. However, it's actually sadder when Everyone has the ability to own and study a Bible, but they don't. But they don't. Matthew 12 and 41, The men of Nineveh, the Lord said, shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas or Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. He's, he's telling us that, that people will rise up in judgment because of what we know compared to what they knew. We live, I believe we live in just a great time period. I do. It's, we uh, uh, scripturally, uh, so many people have access to the Word of God around this world that didn't for years. So many people. We live, no doubt, the, uh, uh, it is dark out there spiritually. It is. There's wickedness that, that, um, uh, that was we were unaware even existed. Uh, but at the same time, more people have the Holy Ghost today than have ever had the Holy Ghost. Amen. You, uh, uh, the Pentecostal movement uh, is strong. It's strong uh, not only in our country, but in other countries. It's strong in South America. It's strong... In Africa, uh, 
Pentecost is being restored. The oneness of God uh, is being restored. The truth of who Jesus Christ is, the truth of repentance, baptism, the Holy Ghost, the power of healing, the power of God to comfort. Uh, these things are available today uh, like they haven't been in times past. And these things are found in Scripture. Many of us receive the Holy Ghost because somebody shared a Scripture with us and we found it to be true. God's Word is true. And I'm afraid that when some are judged, it won't just be His Word that judges us, but it may include those who never had a chance to hear the gospel, and those will rise up like, like ones who will rise up against uh, uh, the group that Jesus was talking about. The, 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 the populace of Nineveh will rise up and say, we repented when, when Jonah came and preached. And, and Jesus was teaching this. And you have somebody greater than Jonah, and you didn't repent. Can you imagine if, if we don't study God's word, if we don't live for God, what judgment is going to be like for us when people will rise in judgment against us and say, you went to a truth-bearing church and you couldn't live for God? We hardly had a chance to hear truth. And so we really have no excuse for, for not studying God's Word, for not living for God. You know, uh, ignorance is not a, in the court of law, it's not a reason for dismissal of charges. You can't say, I didn't know. I've never, and it's been, I don't get, you know, tickets all the time, but, but I don't think I could ever get dismissed from a speeding ticket because I said, well, I didn't know that was the speed limit. It doesn't matter whether you knew or not. Ignorance is not a reason. And, and ignorance can't be a reason for us not to study God's Word. We're talking about the Bible. It's, it's our fifth lesson. We, we commit God's Word to memory. Uh, in the darkest of night, you aren't going to necessarily remember if you're in your daily devotions, what you read this morning. Uh, uh, but when you commit to memorizing, you find a word, you find a scripture, and it really touches you, commit to memorizing it. Because that's what rises up during the darkest night. That's what rises up during, during your, your greatest trial. You study the weapons of warfare. Uh, uh, you, you, when you memorize it, uh, uh, it just rises up. Uh, it's so important. It's, it's the treasuring to this day. And, and I'm, I'm, there's no way that, that I'm the only one. Every one of you could testify of verses that you memorized when you were first saved that still rise up to this day, that still rise up. Uh, and, and where did that come from? Oh, I memorized that uh, uh, years ago. I think about... Uh, uh, one of the first verses I memorized in Acts 17 and 28, Paul, Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being, even as your poets have said we are his offspring. That verse just rises up in me almost on a daily basis. Uh, I just think I live and move, I breathe 
in Jesus Christ. He's everything to me because I'm his offspring. So, so memorizing God's word uh, is, is important. Why? Because we treasure it. We treasure it. God's word really shouldn't be an option. Uh, it, it, it shouldn't be voluntary. It should be, it should be um, a necessity. Thy word have I hid my heart, right? That I might not sin against thee. Uh, it is just using that as an example. Uh, memorizing scripture is a deterrent against temptation. Psalms 19 and 14. You memorize these two verses, Psalms 19 and 14. Let the words of my mouth, right? We know this, don't we? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I think many of us memorized that years ago. That, uh, that, that verse just rolls off our tongue. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, right? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are, are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Are you all saying this in your mind with me? Many of you all are. You know these verses. If there be any what? Virtue. If there be any praise. What's he say? Think on these things. Memorizing those two verses helps you. Because when you're tempted, you change your train of thought. Oh, I got to think on things that are virtuous. I got to think on things that bring praise to God, that are of good report. Memorizing God's word. Oh, it's so important. It's so important. In studying God's word, 2 Timothy 2 and 15, um, uh, although this was written to the ministry, it's really meant for everybody. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amos 8 and 11 tells us of a time of, of famine for the word of God. Now that, that was talking about a time where God just didn't openly speak to the hearts of men and women. It was a famine. But we live in a time period, not a famine. There's no famine for God's word. It's available to all. We live in a time period of lackadaisical uh, 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 leniency. We, we live in the last church of Revelation. M many, many theologians think that the seven churches of Revelation are the seven time periods of the church. And I've studied that. Uh, I can't tell you whether I agree with it or not, but, but I do see Laodicea as being the last church. I do see that. It is, there is a laziness. There's a lukewarmness when it comes to prayer and praise and reading God's word that we have got to fight against. For the time will come, Paul said, uh, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 and 3, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. It will be turned unto fables. We live in that time period where, where congregations, they don't want to hear truth. They just want to hear, they just want to hear lovely things, you know, lovely things. Um, 
I talked a, a little bit about it in the last week or so with the uh, United Methodist Church. Uh, obviously, you are kind to everybody. You love everybody. But that doesn't give you a license to ignore sin. It doesn't give you a, a license to ignore what's right from what's wrong. Uh, but many congregations will control their minister and won't allow their minister to preach over the pulpit in fear of offending, in fear of, of hurting somebody's feelings. Now, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't, but, but I tell you, if it comes between hurting your feelings and preaching truth, I'm preaching truth because, because I'll, I have to stand in judgment for you. Uh, and if I can't answer God on how I preached, uh, uh, then I'm in trouble, and you'll be in trouble. So, so uh, you want to hear truth. You want to hear truth preached. Hallelujah. We don't find salvation through sincerity. Church, everyone is sincere. I know the sincerest people that, that believe, you know, that Muhammad is truth that believe Buddha is is the way to go, and they're sincere. But sincerity doesn't get you to heaven. I've said it, you know, before. You can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. You know, I used to uh, uh, say, I haven't said that in years. Sister Bag used to say, you know, you you have a right to be wrong. <laughs> You've got a right to be wrong. Uh, people can be sincere, but they're, they will be sincerely wrong. It's not that we own the corner market. Brother Bernard said it so well uh, at Winter Fire. Uh, he said, we don't believe that we are, the, the, we are it for the body of Christ, but we believe we're a big part of it. <laughs> I do. I believe the United Pentecostal Church is a big part of the body of Christ. I know there's more to the body of Christ than us. But I know that we are a big part of it. How do I know? Because we preach truth. We believe in truth. Amen. Uh, it has been said that um, um, simple sincerity, even simple majority, the majority isn't always right. Matthew 7 and 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Uh, you all know that I've studied Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was in the minority. It, it, Abraham Lincoln got lucky that he even won the general election. The Republican Party wasn't even allowed in the South. That party was outlawed in the South because they were, they were an uh, 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 abolitionist-run party. Uh, but the South had fractured into two Democratic parties, and so, uh, or two parties. And so he won because it was basically a three-party race in the 1960 election, or 1860 election. Uh, uh, and people were upset that the majority, he didn't win the majority. You know, he just, he just won more than the other two. Uh, uh, and somebody asked him once, and he said, somebody asked, said to him, you know, the majority of Americans, and it was true, don't, don't want, you know, slaves to be set free. The majority of Americans didn't want that. 
the majority just didn't want expansion, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not getting political. I'm really not. But, but what I do remember reading one time is Abraham Lincoln made the statement, I don't care what the majority wants. I don't, I'm not going to run my, my office as president based on what the majority wants. I'm going to run it based on what I think is right. Amen. Uh, uh, you can't preach. You can't believe something based on what the majority believes. You've got to believe something based on what's right, based on what's true. God's word is true. Even if no one else believes it, God's word is true. Uh, and, 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 and even beyond that, church, uh, if, ladies, if anyone ever gives you trouble about your holiness standards, about your modesty, I tell you, you can, you can say, you know, well, God's word is true, and you can use God's word, but I tell you, you can also use you know, the fact that historically the church always believed in modesty. It was only, it's only been in the last hundred years that, that the church has changed their view on modesty. Uh, it, it's clear, church. Amen. And so today, does the majority of Christians believe in modesty? No, but it doesn't mean modesty is not right. Does the majority of, of Christians believe that, uh, uh, for example, the majority of Christians in Christendom, Christendom, um, the majority of, uh, of Christendom believes that, that baptism uh, is when you sprinkle a baby and, and, uh, uh, and it is a declaration of, of, of something that is happening internally. Uh, the majority of Christian organizations Believe that, but it doesn't make it right. Amen. God's word dictates to us what we believe, right? God's word dictates. We don't, we don't say it with, we never are judgmental. We don't, we, we don't, you don't uh, defend yourself by being ugly and being mean. It's just simply, why do you believe this? Well, because I've studied God's word. Again, we're going back to God's word. It's, it's, it's one of the great defenses for what we believe. If anyone ever questions, why do you believe what you believe? Well, God's word. God's word says. Why, uh, ladies, why do you believe in your modesty? Why do you believe uh, in the type of dress, the, the, the hairstyles? Men, why do you believe in, in, in treating women with respect? And why? Well, God's word tells us to. That, that, that's why. That's not offensive, but it's God's word. But church, remember, the majority, Jesus said, enter ye in straight at the gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth what? To salvation? No, to destruction. Right? Many there be that go in there at, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. If somebody says, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, you know, <laughs> narrow is the way. <laughs> uh, uh, I just follow God's word. Some have said salvation is as narrow as the edge of a knife. Church, I, uh, listen, I try not to make uh, uh, your day-to-day -day living for God so narrow that you have to walk sideways to get into heaven. You know, there's room to live for God. Uh, uh, but church, we do need to be careful how we walk day-to-day. -day. We do. I don't, I don't preach and I don't believe in a type rope Christianity but we do need to be careful how we walk, how we live for God.
Amen. Amen. And you know, uh, if you study Paul, you know that, that almost every city he went to, he was rejected. Uh, and so then he would say, I wipe my feet, you know, and I go to the Gentiles. That wasn't just a one-time thing. He said it over and over. Every city he went to, he'd go to the Jews first. The Jews would reject him, and then he would go to the Gentiles. That's why he was called the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, uh, but when he preached, he and Silas came to Berea, B-E-R-E-A. Uh, and so they were preaching Jesus the Messiah. And Berea did not force Paul and Silas to leave. It's interesting. Acts 17 and 11. They didn't threaten to stone them or kick them out. Acts 17 and 11 says, And these were more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Wow, isn't that refreshing? Paul must have been so excited. Finally, some people who will listen to, to what we're preaching. Verse 12 indicates that many received salvation, many believed. Why? Because they desired the word. They desired the word. They searched the word daily, whether these things were so. Listen, people say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance of the law, it's no excuse for breaking the law. Some people think that the less they study the Bible, the less God will require of them. I don't believe that. Paul in Acts 17 is talking about a time where people made idols, where people made idols of false gods, images of false gods. Verse 30 says, In the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. I've studied that. Church, what is generally believed in that scripture is that, is that before the cross, the light was so limited that God withheld judgment. But after the cross... Darkness was defeated by marvelous light, and, and none of us have an excuse now. Light has been shown into our lives. Um, uh, there was a time where God withheld it, but church, those times are over. Willful, willful ignorance is no longer an excuse. It's an indictment. It's an, uh, if you are willfully ignorant, if you willfully say, I'm not going to study God's word, I'm not going to pray, I'm not going to live for God. You, you, you are saying, what are you saying? Are you self-reliant? Like uh, the men in Genesis 4 and 20, they, they relied on their own knowledge instead of God. Or, or maybe you're self-centered. Maybe you think that you, you're better than God's word. No, that's not wise. Maybe you're self-made. Maybe you've become so successful uh, based on everything you did that you're, you're above God's judgment, like Nimrod. You, you, you built a tower above, uh, so if a flood comes again, it'll never reach you. Uh, I tell you, Nimrod was judged. Uh, you, can't, you can't build a tower tall enough to get away from God's judgment. Whatever it is, ignorance is not an excuse. It's not. We study God's word. We love God. We worship him. We live for God. Amen. Because God's word tells us, study thyself. Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Uh, you know, there were times, uh, there's times probably in every one of our lives where maybe when we were younger or maybe, maybe yesterday uh, where uh, uh, you're, you're on your cell phone, you're 
uh, you've gotten a text from your kids or something and you're, you're texting back, uh, yeah, what are you doing for dinner? What are we doing? And, and then you look up and there's your boss standing there. Uh, what's going on? You know, oh, uh, yeah, better get back to work, you know, and you're all embarrassed, and you, you know. Uh, uh, and then it's the opposite. It's busy. You're, you're focused. You're working. And the boss comes by and your boss sees you just working hard. Just giving it 110%. I know they, mathematically they say that's impossible, but no, it's not. You can give 110% if you compare it to what you did in the past. So, uh, and you're just giving it all. And your boss comes by and sees you and, and, and a week later calls in the office. You know, I'm giving you a bonus. I'm giving you a raise. I'm giving you a promotion. Well, you've just been working hard. You've been doing a great job. You know what I'm saying? We, uh, I, would, I would hope that we've all experienced a little bit of both, you know. You know, where uh, I tell you, church, when we are loving God, when we are loving his word, he loves that. He does. He loves when we worship him. He loves when we have committed our lives to him. He loves that. He wants to bless us. He wants to, he wants to pour it out. We are workmen approved of God, right? I'm just, I'm just using an illustration to quote a scripture. We are workmen, amen that need not to be ashamed, approved of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul told Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration. That's all scripture. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly, furnished unto good works. So, so in short, for your lifestyle, for how you live day to day, for how you treat one another, the Bible is your sole authority. It's your sole authority. The Bible tells us. Church, have you ever heard somebody say, you know, uh, we're, we're, God didn't make us judges. We're not here to judge anybody. Well, if you study the Bible, you actually will end up judging <laughs> We will be part. We will be part of the judgment. We will judge angels, right? We're to, we're, we're to try spirits with God's word. That's a type of judgment, isn't it? I'm not saying jump up and start judging everybody, but, but what I'm saying is, is it, we have got to, above all else, judge ourselves, and we judge ourselves by God's word. What does God's word say about this? How do I live for God based on... His word. How do I apply his word to my life? How do I study God's word? I'll tell you, one of the ways to study God's word uh, is, is on a daily schedule, do it at the same time every day. It's hard. It's hard, amen, to say, oh, I'll read my Bible this morning and I'll read it tomorrow evening and the next day I'll read it at lunch. Uh, 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 do it the same time, whether it's, it's at lunchtime, you know, if you have to, if you have lunch at different times every day, you know, you just say, at lunch, I'm going to read God's Word. Uh, or when I first get up, I'm going to spend 20 minutes studying God's Word. You know, you, you do the same thing every day. You, you, you get a book uh, that tells you about the original audience, the author, the purpose of the book. Get a, 
make an outline, get some cross-references, get a Bible dictionary, Bible encyclopedia, uh, 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 color code your Bible, uh, do a biographical study of your Bible, uh, study a person, study a character, uh, uh, use a concordance, use a study guide, use a expository dictionary. Church, there's so many tools out there to study God's Word with. Encyclopedias, atlases, commentaries, uh, 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 so many different translations. Uh, I think more now than ever. I, I just love uh, uh, going through three or four different translations of the same chapter and just seeing, you know, word for word, how are they saying it? Thought for thought, how's, how are they saying it? Okay, commentary, you know, how are they saying it? Uh, uh, because God's word was never meant to be a mystery. I know that it was, you know, the, the autographs aren't available anymore, but, but I know the original translations were, were in Greek and Hebrew. Uh, then you had some Latin. Uh, uh, but church, God has allowed the translations of these original manuscripts to be put into English where we can study it, where we can see what God, what, what his will is. He doesn't hide his will from us. We can read it. We can learn it. It's profitable unto us. It's profitable. If I had, if I had two envelopes here, and one of them had a million dollars in them, and the other one had nothing in it, and I put those two envelopes before you, and I and I told you 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 can pick one of the envelopes, and the money's in my left hand. You'd pick the envelope in my left hand. It's it's the same way with God's word. He's told us how to make it through this life. He's told us, right? He's told us how to get home. He's told us how to be spiritually successful, to be spiritually millionaires. He's told us. It's read my word, study my word, pray, worship, be faithful. Amen. He's told us. He's, he's, he's whispered in our ear. It's, my, it's in my word. You want to be successful? You want to have eternal life? It's in my word. Just study it, read it, love it, live it. Amen. Study thyself to be approved, he says to Timothy. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Amen. You can understand his word. Commentaries, and encyclopedias, Bible dictionaries. There's so many ways to understand his word. Um, for example... And, and, and church, let me tell you that when you're studying God's word, you should use the literal method. Does anyone know what that means? You shouldn't try to find hidden meanings in everything. Take it for what it says, right? If it says it, then take it for what it says. Uh, there's a natural and unusual and, and, and way that God uh, uh, gives us uh, our directions for living for God. Don't look for hidden meetings. So 1 Timothy 2 and 14, this is a great example. Ladies, I'm talking to you tonight. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. 
So if you look for a deep, deep spiritual meaning in that, you'll begin to separate that scripture from all other scriptures, and you'll begin to think that women are lost unless they have children. But we know that that's not scriptural. It's absolutely not scriptural to say that a woman is only saved if she bears children. Well, what if she's ungodly? <laughs> uh, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. So what does it mean? Now, when you study the full context of it and you study God's word as a whole, you'll, you'll, you'll see that Paul is mentioning holiness. He's mentioning love. He's mentioning faith, that they're to continue in these things. Faith, love, holiness. And so when you compare it to other scriptures and you use logic, it seems to say that when a woman is having children, that if she can't make it to church because of the kids and her daily prayer routine is thrown off, and her opportunity to study God's word is, is thrown off because of the kids. Hello, moms, you know. But if she stays faithful, and she stays loving, and she stays holy, she's saved. That's what Paul is saying there. Amen. You see, it takes a little bit of studying God's word. It takes a little bit of saying, okay, what's really happening here? And a little less of what's the spiritual meaning here? Uh, 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 there's unmarried women. You're going to have to, you're, we're, we only got one man for three women. He's going to have to marry all three. Uh, we, don't, we don't believe in, in that, obviously. But church, that's where that doctrine came from. Is, is this scripture being misinterpreted by, uh, I want to say, the Joseph Smith? misinterpreted the scripture and, and, and you had that come about from it. To be carnally minded is death. Spiritually minded is life. Amen. So we study God's word with the illumination of God's light. Amen. Amen. I look at uh, uh, I took Piano lessons growing up because I had to. Um, I just, we did. If you have a concert pianist as your mother, you have to take piano lessons. But, uh, you know, I never got, I, ne I was never good at it. I, under, I, under, I learned to understand what 4-4 four, four meant and, you know, half time and quarter notes and half notes and all, you know, the scales. I could play the scales, but, but, uh, um, I was never good at it, but there were times where uh, as a child, I would sit next to my mother in church and uh, I, would turn, I would turn the pages when she would be playing a, a large number and I was her page turner. Uh, and it, or she played in a concert at Ithaca College or something. She would take me with, the, with her and I would turn the pages because I did know how to read music enough to know. Uh, but there were times that, that I would just glance down that my mom, she played that piano, and I think this. There is so much more to this than I understand. How is she getting this out of what's on that piece of paper? But uh, sometimes I think the same way with God's word. 
um, uh, there is something about God's Spirit. Stay with me. I'm not, I'm, I really haven't gone off course here. Um, there was something, there was something about my mom's knowledge of music that if, unless you have spent a lot of time with a genius musician, you won't know what I mean. That it's just, you, it's, it, it'll floor you how much they just naturally understand about music. And, and a lot of that comes from, from, you know, studying and playing all the time. But there was something natural about the way my mom plays, played the piano. She still plays it, but in, back in the day, she was fantastic. There is something about having the Holy Ghost Church to hear me that when we open God's Word, we have an illumination that others don't have. Because it was that same Spirit that anointed these authors to write this down. It was that very same Spirit that's in us. So we have an illumination about us. I, and I've told this story. When I was uh, uh, young and I, uh, you know, we lived in Austin, and once in a while I would go uh, to the street corners in Austin, and I would witness to the Jehovah Witnesses um, because there were Jehovah Witnesses on every corner in Austin, it seemed like, you know. And so I would take my Bible with me and I would witness to them. And there was one Jehovah Witness, and uh, they always had an elder and, and a young person. And, and they, in the, at the, this one incident where the elder told the young person to go to the next street and, and stay with the other to their head the next street and the elder what didn't want them to get confused about the conversation we were having because you know uh, uh, because I was bringing out scripture and and before that young person left that elder said to me uh, you must be United Pentecostal you must be United Pentecostal and I said why why would you say that he said because you are the only ones who know the word better than everybody you're the only ones who know it better than everybody. And I don't say that out of pride or anything, but I'm telling you, church, we have an illumination. When you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, there is something about that infilling. Amen. That, uh, uh, and I'll bring back my illustration of sitting there just in amazement of how in the world could she understand what is on that paper as she's playing on the piano. She had a musical illumination. We've got a Holy Ghost illumination. Hallelujah. I can read God's word. And church, I know I'm not the only one. And I'll read a verse. Oh, and the Holy Ghost will say, hey, this is, this is what I'm trying to say to you today. This is how I'm trying to apply it to your life. And, and, the, and the word of God is illuminating. And the Holy Ghost is illuminating. And you're feeling something in your spirit. All because we have been saved. We've been filled with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Church, could you imagine if you never read God's word, you'd never have that experience. You'd never have it. Amen. So, so study, study. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, church, the Bible has its expressed truth 
through finite uh, human vocabulary, but it hasn't compromised truth. You, I'll, I'll use this illustration. The, the Bible, have you ever heard that the, a lawyer, when he died, he had, uh, they, 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 he had them put just uh, uh, tons of bars of gold in his casket so he could take it to heaven with him. And so uh, when he got to the pearly gates with all of his gold, uh, he said, you know, hey, hey, St. Peter, I brought all this gold with me. And, and Peter said, why, why would you bring pavement with you? You know, <laughs> because the Bible says the streets of gold, you know, streets of gold. I, I knew you got it. But uh, church, it's, it's the gold in heaven is transparent. It's not the gold as we know gold. It's, it's a transparent gold. But, but the word of God has used the word gold so we'll understand the value of heaven. Amen. And I'm not saying it's not gold, but it's not the gold that we know. Amen. And so God will take a human understanding to help us realize the value of heaven without compromising truth. That's just the amazement of God's word. Amen. God's eyes go to and fro upon the face of the earth. Amen. Church, that, that helps us understand that God is looking for somebody who will worship him. Amen. It doesn't mean that there's two eyes rolling around somewhere looking, but it helps us understand. Amen. It helps us understand. That's just the power. Of God's word. It accommodates for the human mind, but it doesn't compromise truth. I love it. I love it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word here tonight, God. You are, uh, you are.